Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Here we are once again, Roster Watch Nation. It's your friendly neighborhood trash man, and this is the Garbage Grab. On behalf of RosterWatch.com, where we have all the fantasy information you'll ever need to dominate your leagues from draft throughout the playoffs. Today, we have another fantasy fallout. Week 3 going into week 4 of the NFL season. It's a lot to go over here, so let's get started. First game, Thursday night, Titans at Jaguars. Titans lost this one 7-20. Adam Humphreys had his best game this season on Thursday night. But it's important to mention that 47 of his 93 yards came on the final drive. It's going to be difficult to determine from a game-to-game basis which Titan, other than Delaney Walker, is going to hit in any given game. A.J. Brown, who was looking like the number one receiver in Tennessee, is a prime example. One reception for four yards in this game. Even in a game where the Titans were trailing and having to speed things up, Deion Lewis was ineffective. If you can't rely on him in this kind of scenario, when can you rely on him? I think he's droppable in most formats. On the other side of the ball, there are no training wheels. On Gardner Minshew, 204 yards, two touchdowns. He fires it up right out of the gate, and it's keeping the Jaguars in games. I, however, do not condone his usage against the Broncos in Denver this week. DJ Chark is the Jags' number one receiver, four receptions, 76 yards, and a touchdown, and he needs to be owned like it. I would actually consider starting him against Denver this week. He's topped 55 yards and scored in every every game so far this season. Next game, Lions at Eagles. Lions won this one 27-24. Matthew Stafford sure knows how to let a guy down, doesn't he? I suppose the game script 
dictated that the Lions would play keep away from the Eagles and run it a lot, you know, having a lead. But it's a second straight middling game for Stafford. I'd throw him in the trash or out of the trash in my case. But he's got Kansas City this week, and there's nothing that will set a quarterback straight like a matchup with Kansas City. But if Stafford cannot deliver this week, he's dead to me. And he should probably be dead to you. Folks thought that Ty Johnson running back there in Detroit would be the beneficiary of C.J. Anderson's release. But he only had four carries for five yards. The rich just keep getting richer in this case. That's on Johnson who feasted. Johnson is still an intriguing ad in deeper leagues, but he's purely a bench hold for now. Kenny Galladay, two receptions, 17 yards, had the worst game of this early season on Sunday, but it was mainly due to misconnections. He actually had eight targets on the day. TJ Hawkinson, Rob Gronkowski Jr., right? Uh, one reception, one yard is droppable. This largely uninspiring Lions offense doesn't seem to know what to do with Hawkinson on a regular basis. The offense is kind of stagnant in a lot of ways, I feel like. On the other side of the ball, Miles Sanders looks like the biggest beneficiary of losing Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson as he led the Eagles in receiving with 73 yards. Philly got creative with their talented back in ways that they had not utilized him previously. Hopefully they stick to that plan, even when Jeffrey, who looks like he's going to come back this week, and Jackson return. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, the great Whiteside hope. One reception, 10 yards, was much ado about nothing on Sunday. He's just not ready. At least he doesn't look like it, so you can put him back in the oven. On to the next game. The Jets and the Patriots just lost this one, 14-30. The Jets only mustered 105 yards on Sunday, which more than half Le'Veon Bell is responsible. Fortunately for them and us, they have a bye this week. Sam Darnold should return to Week 5, so now might be a good time to trade for the likes of Robbie Anderson and or Jamison Crowder if you're sitting pretty and looking for some depth at the receiver position. On the other side of the ball, Rex Burkhead, 69 yards and a touchdown, delivered yet again, this time with the help of an absent James White who was at home with his very pregnant wife. Burkhead benefits from games that get out of hand for the Patriots, and that's virtually been every game thus far. They do face the 3-0 Bills this week, but it's a, it's a suspect 3-0. Who have they really beaten? I'm banking on Rex to at least be worthy of a flex again this week. Philip Dorsett, six receptions, 50, 53 yards and a touchdown, needs to be owned. He scored in every game that Antonio Brown hasn't played for the Pats, and Antonio Brown is playing no more games for the Pats, maybe no more games for anyone, ever, at least on a football field. Um, Dorsett is only the third or fourth option in New England, but that's good enough to get him wide receiver three consideration. On to the next game, Raiders at Vikings. Raiders lost this one 14-34. Josh Jacobs was playing ill, a head cold, 
So we've been told 10 carries, 44 yards, and it showed that he was playing ill. I don't think it will linger for another week as it was just a head cold, but his situation is one to monitor. With Ryan Grant a healthy scratch, J.J. Nelson, four receptions, 36 yards, and a touchdown, moved into three receiver sets and actually came in second in targets with five behind Darren Waller, who had a whopping Baker's dozen. If you don't know how many that is, then you need to watch more shows about baking. I don't see him moving ahead of Ty Williams or Hunter Renfro, but he'll have his good days, just like he did when he was in Arizona. It'll just be hard to predict. On the other side of the ball, Alexander Madison, 12 carries, 58 yards on his touchdown, benefited from a comfortable Vikings lead on Sunday, racking up carries with the game in hand. It's been established that the Vikings are run-first offense at this point, so it's safe to assume he'll have days like this on occasion. But he's still mainly a handcuff to Dalvin Cook. High-value handcuff to Dalvin Cook. He must be owned, but I wouldn't flex him unless I had few options otherwise. Or it looks like a game where you know the Vikings might blow out the other team. Can you drop Kyle Rudolph for Irv Smith, the backup tight end? Probably doesn't make much difference either way. The Vikings aren't throwing enough to start either one of them right now. And it might be too late to get value for Stefan Diggs. Three receptions, 15 yards in trade, but it's worth trying. He's getting squat for targets in this offense, and I'm not sure if or when that is going to change, unfortunately for him and his owners. On to the next game, the Ravens at the Chiefs. Ravens lost this one 28-33. Gus Edwards, 9 touches, 68 yards, is playing ahead of Justice Hill on one of the most run-heavy teams in the league. Mark Ingram can do everything Hill does. And Gus is a bruiser, so Hill is kind of redundant right now. Edwards should be owned in most leagues as much as they run the ball. Both Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews are fine. They just couldn't do much with the 9 and 7 targets they got on Sunday. There was concern about Andrew's previously injured foot, but he seems to come out of the game unscathed. So no worries. On the other side of the ball, it was Darrell Williams. 14 touches, 109 yards, not Darwin Thompson. That was the Damian Williams to LaShawn McCoy on Sunday. In fact, Darrell took the lead when McCoy re-aggravated his ankle at one point. I would be hard-pressed to find a higher waiver priority this week. Maybe Wayne Gallman would take that spot. I wouldn't drop Thompson just yet, though. If McCoy can't return this week, Thompson would take his place as a compliment to Williams. McCole Hardman and Demarcus Robinson both scored on Sunday, but now might be a good time to sell high. Tyreek Hill is reportedly mending very quickly. He's playing basketball and could be back in the lineup as early as this week. They'll both retain some value when he returns but their consistency is likely to vacillate wildly. On to the next game, Falcons at Colts. Falcons lost this one 24-27. Devontae Freeman, 18 touches, 95 yards. Got all the run in this one after splitting carries with Ito Smith the last two weeks. Smith got one single solitary carry on the whole afternoon before leaving with a possible concussion. It looks like the window to acquire Freeman and trade is closing soon. He didn't score, though, so maybe you can still snipe him. 
Calvin Ridley, one reception, six yards, disappeared on Sunday, so it looks like the wild mood swings his fantasy production took last season are back in full swing. Muhammad Sanu, on the other hand, has had at least six targets every game this season. He's shaping up to be a reasonable high floor flex in PPR formats. Say that five times fast. Austin Hooper is quietly the number six tight end in fantasy right now, and he's still available in 12% of leagues. So go get him at that league if, if you have, happen to be in one of those leagues. On the other side of the ball, Jacoby Brissett, 310-yard, two touchdowns, is definitely no Andrew Luck, but he's no slouch either. He's well worth streaming against the Raiders this week. T.Y. Hilton aggravated his quad injury right before halftime against the Falcons and never returned. Zach Pascal came away with 53 yards and a touchdown on two catches, but no fewer than seven Colts saw at least three targets, so it's impossible to say that Pascal is the obvious add if Hilton can't go this week. Paris Campbell is, in my opinion, the most talented receiver behind Hilton, so he would be the guy I'm most interested in. On to the next game, Broncos at Packers. Broncos lost this one 16-27. Royce Freeman, 19 touches, 73 yards, scared his owners when he left the game due to a shoulder injury, only to return after Philip Lindsay had already swindled two touchdowns. Just the fact that Freeman returned is good news for this week, or his availability this week, though he is still resigned to being in a timeshare with Lindsay, limiting his upside greatly. If either one of these guys was to get injured, the, other, the remaining running back would be a monster in fantasy. On the other side of the ball, Jamal Williams, 14 touches, 86 yards, outtouched and outgained Aaron Jones on Sunday, turning the Packers' backfield into a tr- true timeshare once again. Williams needs to be added in deeper leagues as a low upside flex. Marquez Valdez-Scantling led all Packers with 10 targets, Six receptions, 99 yards, and a touchdown on Sunday. It's likely that Rodgers found something that worked against the Denver defense and then just stuck with it. Devontae Adams has had a slow start to the season, but he's gone up against the Bears, the Vikings, and Broncos back-to-back. Target him in trades while you can. His owners are probably a little bit low on him. And he's bound to return to wide receiver one form. On to the next game. The Dolphins at the Cowboys. Dolphins lost this one 6-31. Preston Williams did it again. Four receptions, 68 yards. He's the only Dolphins player who seems to produce on a consistent basis. And he's the only one I'm bothering to own in my leagues. Kenyon Drake had something resembling a productive fantasy day with 72 yards on 15 touches. He'll be a middling flex when the Dolphins play the Chargers this week. Josh Rosen wasn't good in his first start. 200 yards passing, 13 yards rushing, but he wasn't as bad as Ryan Fitzpatrick has been, so he gets to stay. He's got somewhat of a connection with Preston Williams over their time on the second team. You know about the second team doctrine if if you've been around Roster Watch or if you've been a Roster Watch Nation member for some time. So it's not all bad. If nothing else, the Dolphins are not worse than they were a week ago on offense. On the other side of the ball, Tony Pollard's 16-touch, 128-yard, one-touchdown game was absurd, but most of it came in garbage time. Chances are he'll be used sparingly against the Saints this week. Devin Smith, 
filling in for Michael Gallup. Two receptions, 39 yards. Had a lackluster game on Sunday, but he was second in targets in Dallas with five. So don't drop him just yet. Okay? On to the next game. Bengals at Bills. Bengals lost this one 17-21. Auden Tate, who is basically a tight end, built like one, was the third receiver much of the day for the Bengals, amassing six, six catches for 88 yards on 10 targets and a touchdown. Tredavious White was all over John Ross all day, so it makes sense. I don't expect much from Tate moving forward, though. Frank Gore, on the other side of the ball, 14 touches, 89 yards, one touchdown, split carries with TJ Yeldon, who had 10 touches and 49 yards, and Josh Allen, who had nine carries for 48 yards. This could go down as one of Gore's best games this season, as Devin Singletary may return this week. Either way, the Bills play New England, so Gore's outlook isn't too optimistic if the Pats get out to an early lead, which is very likely. Tight end Dawson Knox, three receptions for 67 yards and a touchdown, will be a hot commodity on waivers this week. He did most of his damage in one play, though, so I'm not champing at the bit for him. But there is room for him to ascend in this lame Bills death chart at the tight end position. On to the next game. Giants at Buccaneers. Giants won this one, 32-31. Baker Mayfield must be despising the crow that he's munching on because Daniel Jones just put him in his place. 336 yards passing for Jones, 28 yards rushing, and four touchdowns on the day. It's just one game. But Jones looked poised under pressure and made good decisions when he had to. You have to pick him up in case this isn't a fluke, folks. And then Saquon Barkley, out four to eight weeks with a high ankle sprain, making (laughs) Wayne Gallman, excuse me, your starter in New York. The Giants will probably add someone to the backfield. But you need to add Gelman where possible. Rookie Darius Slayton, three receptions, 82 yards, showed off his wheels on Sunday in his first start. I'm trying not to get too excited about him, though, because Golden Tate is going to steal some of his thunder when he returns from suspension. Even so, Slayton could be the deep threat that Jones and all of us are hoping for. On the other side of the ball, that's it. Mike Evans' owners are no longer accepting trade offers. The market is closed. He blew up. I mean, he got three games worth (laughs) of fantasy production in one game. Ronald Jones finally got the action we were looking for as he outgained Peyton Barber 121 yards to 51 yards on an equal amount of touches. Barber is still very much in the picture, but you need to get Jones in hopes that he keeps up that pace. O.J. Howard finally got some fantasy production. Three receptions for 66 yards. It wasn't a monster, but it's a night and day difference from the past two weeks for Howard. On to the next game. Panthers at Cardinals. Panthers won this one 38-20. I know it's Cam's team, but Kyle Allen is making it easy for him to rest his foot for however long he needs to. Allen had 261 yards and four touchdowns. Allen is in line for another start this week against Houston. That a Houston team that has a defense that is just leaking passing yards, so he's worth streaming. Greg Olson has found the fountain of youth. Six receptions, 75 yards, two touchdowns, and Frank Gore was his guide. Of course, 
right when I talk up Demir Bird on the other side of the ball, he tanks two receptions for nine yards. It was a bad day in general for Kyler Murray, who completed only one pass over 20 yards. Murray's day was saved by the 69 yards he had on the ground, though. But that running prowess is why you own him in the first place. On to the next game, Steelers at 49ers. Steelers lost this one 20-24. The lack of Big Ben under center is taking its toll on the Steelers' offense and not just in the passing game. James Conner, the pitiful, pitiful showing. Juju would have had five yards on the day if not for the 76-yard touchdown he broke open late in the game. Deontay Johnson had a similar play that saved his day. James Washington, little to nothing with the quarterback that he played college with. Actually was a Bolitnikoff winner with. Hopefully Mason Rudolph's day, or his play, was not an indictment on him so much as it was for an emerging 49ers defense. Rudolph gets Cincinnati this week, though, so we'll find out. On the other side of the ball, Raheem Mostert, 79 yards. Matt Breida, 88 yards. They got all the yards on the ground. But Jeff Wilson got all the touchdowns, two of them. All of them need to be owned in fantasy. Saints at Seahawks. Saints won this one 33-27 with Teddy Bridgewater under center to Alex's chagrin. 177 yards, two touchdowns for Bridgewater. He's a game manager. What can you say? But he doesn't make many mistakes. I wouldn't advise playing him against the Cowboys this week, though. In fact, I wouldn't start any Saint not named Alvin Kamara or Michael Thomas. There just isn't that much offense to go around with Bridgewater. And on the other side of the ball, I'll admit it, I may have been wrong about Will Disley being a flash in the pan. He had six receptions for 62 yards and a touchdown. Russell Wilson seems to be looking for him in the red zone on the regular, so pick him up if he's available. Chris Carson can't seem to help himself. Even with Richard Penny sitting, he could take control of the backfield losing another fumble and 45 snaps to C.J. Process. Rather, he couldn't take control of the backfield. If Penny can't go this week, Process will make for an interesting play in DFS. On to the next game, Texans at Chargers. Texans won this one 27-20. So much for the Texans' running game. It was all passing in this one, out of necessity mainly. And it looks like it might be a similar story against Carolina this week. So fire up your Texans' pass catchers. You can probably find a few of them on waivers, i.e. Jordan Akins, and maybe even Kenny Stills is available in you know a handful of leagues. It was a disappointing day for most Chargers not named Keenan Allen, who supplied a team's worth of offense, 183 yards, two touchdowns. Phillip Rivers went back to old faithful time and again as he tried to stay in the game. So you can have faith that the Chargers will be all systems go this week, though as they play the Dolphins. So roll out your studs. On to the next game, Rams at Browns. Rams run this one 20-13. Robert Woods had another down game on Sunday, but he's going to bounce back. So put some trade offers out for him. I put some offers out for Todd Gurley, two 14 carries, 43 yards. The Rams won't always throw the ball 38 times. Gerald Everett, tight end, can go back to the wire. Only two receptions for 15 yards away with him. I want him out of my face and off of my fantasy team. On the other side of the ball, Baker Mayfield, 195 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He looks like a rookie. He's regressed this season, as many second-year quarterbacks do once teams have tape on him. It doesn't help that he faces the Ravens this week. I'm downgrading all Browns pass catchers for this one, though you can't sit OBJ.
really for any reason. David Njoku is on injured reserve, and no one they brought in to replace him showed us anything on Sunday night. There was a Monday night game. Bears won this one. Three touchdowns to Taylor Gabriel. That's not going to happen again this season. He actually left the game with the concussion after that. His head exploded a little bit. Nothing for Tariq Cohen. He's borderline droppable. I'm not dropping him yet, but I might try to trade him. I will try to trade him for sure. On the other side of the ball, Taylor McLaughlin blew up again. He's the Redskins number one, and he needs to be owned in every, each and every league. Paul Richards, son, actually had a really good game too, led the team in targets and yards. He can be picked up in some leagues too, some deeper leagues. He's worth a flex in plus matchups. Anyways, that's it for the Garbage Grab this week. I hope you enjoyed the fantasy fallout. For more fantasy information that you just can't miss, go to rosterwatch.com, get a pro membership. Anyways, this is the Trash Man, and until next time, be ready. credit card bill.